Guru Nation, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. It really means a lot to me. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. Thank you so much. Leave a review. I wanted to also thank my sponsors who make this show possible. The first one is Viva Sight Vault. Absolutely free. By the way, links to all of this stuff is in the show notes. Viva Sight Vault. If you are a site and you wanted to dip your toe into going digital and for e-reg and to start messing around with e-signatures, this is the way to go. They are the biggest name in our industry from a tech vendor standpoint. They're site-centric. They make this easy for us, guys and gals. And it's absolutely free. Sites.viva.com. Check it out. I use it. I also use Versatrail, which is my next sponsor. Versatrail has made my life so easy as a coordinator from an organization standpoint. Links to all these portals are in one easy place. You can literally link to anything you can think of, whether it's a protocol or it's the latest informed consent form or it's the IRT or it's the vendor to upload this or the other vendor to upload that. It's all there in one easy place. Not to mention, they do a lot on the feasibility side, which makes feasibility surveys a breeze. Check it out. This is a company that is going places. Versatrail. My next sponsor is Creo. I've been using Creo for years. They are eSource and eReg and CTMS and patient database and eConsent and so many more other things. And while they are not free, I definitely think it is worth the price for what you are getting. It has streamlined my research studies and my site, and I got all my coordinators trained on it, and I could not picture running my site without Creo. So check it out. Link in the show note. Finally, Inato, a free service for business development. Go figure. Link in the show note. It makes figuring out what studies you want easier. It makes figuring out what you're going to get if you accept the study super simple. And it really streamlines the process for knowing what's out there on the market. You can use it for as many investigators as you have. And again, it's absolutely free in Nato. Also in the show notes are links to the businesses I own, specifically DSCS, where we help sites get studies, do their contracts, help you with surveys, anything else you can think of, a shoulder to cry on, low monthly fee. And then we have the CRA, CRC Academies, and everything live 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 we are live guys so i got henry kravchenko from clinical lee uh clinical.ly henry you guys if you follow notifile and brad or if you follow dr fox you've seen henry on just yesterday you know but there's so much that we can discuss off the air, Henry and I were discussing inefficiencies at the site level. And, you know, Henry is an outsider um, coming into this space. So he's got the fresh perspective from an outsider. And actually, a lot of the, I think a lot of the best things we can learn and almost anything come from outsiders. Uh, we get so attached to sacred cows, I feel like, in our industry that we lose sight of like the obvious sometimes and Henry doesn't have that filter and we're going to get into his e-source and his, his system, uh, clinically clinical.ly for anyone interested. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, his LinkedIn is underneath, go check it out. Um, but maybe we'll start with what's the biggest inefficiencies you've seen so far, or like the biggest, maybe not inefficient, maybe that's too narrow. What's the biggest, like, like most unbelievable thing you've observed so far uh, as far as this industry is concerned? Anything? That's a broad question. Where do, where do I start? I think when I first you know, got introduced to this industry in 2019, I 
remember just not believing the things that people are telling me were happening. Like the best way to describe this is we like this, like in this industry, you're, you know, discovering or testing the novel drugs, therapies, devices, you know, like you're basically, you know, cloning sheep and splitting genes, but then you're recording the fact that your findings on like carbon copy paper and faxing them to each other. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's this, like this bipolar thing that's happening that it's just like, I could, like that couldn't be, that can't be right. It's like, no way. Then you've got, you know, MDs, RNs, you know, like highly trained professionals doing like remedial, like paperwork, right? Like filing documents, like stuff that like a high school, you know, part-time worker could do. And you've got these, you know, $200,000 a year, like resources wasting their time on things that just don't make any sense for them to be doing. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's just these, like these just like bipolar, like findings and like what well, like this can't be right like this is this industry is here to you know, move medicine forward right like to to like help humanity you know by testing cutting-edge drugs devices but then the tools that you're using are like you know 10 years behind the times and that's you know that's generous for some sites that i've spoken with and so th that's been bizarre that I can't understand. And when I try to ask people, you know, why is this the case? Like, what's, like, are, are there structural, legal? Like, what are the reasons why this is, this is so? Nobody has a good answer. Like, there's a lot of, like, you know, this, you know, it's this and that, and, you know, it's sponsors, pushing technologies, the size, not, like, whatever. But at the end of the day, you know, n there, there are no problems or no obstacles in this industry that are unique to this industry. Right, like they exist in other industries, but yet other industries have, for most part, have done a better job of solving these problems and overcoming the obstacles. And like in research, it's just behind the times, and just it's shocking to me. Does that answer your question, or did I just go past? <laughs> well, do you th I mean, coming from and your background, we're going to get into your background, but coming from the hedge fund world, right? Like you guys look under the hood of businesses, you analyze them from an investment perspective. If you look at entire industries, what do you think is the reason why there hasn't been an improvement in workflow, operational efficiencies, particularly at the site level? Like what are, what do you think have been like the biggest reasons for why that hasn't happened? It's probably it's definitely a few reasons. And now I'm, I'm speculating. So I think a lot of it is legacy. So meaning there's, it's been tried and sites have been burned by trying these different technologies and be it the vendor or the sponsor pushing back. And like that's, you know, that makes them hesitant to try again, even though technology has moved forward since then. And I think the other reason is it's, you know, technology, at least when it comes to like, you know, regulatory and like digital signatures, that, they, you know, that sort of thing. Like it's a relatively new thing in research. So it's, it's 1997, Congress kind of said, okay, we want you to use electronic data capture and just go digital. Yeah. To 2003, they kind of had to reaffirm that, like, no, no, we really want you to go digital. This you know, physical paper stuff isn't, you know, doesn't scale. And so, <laughs> so the, the, the industry was, you know, at least the technology industry in this in research was, it's only about 20 years old. So that's still relatively young relative to maybe other industries. So it hasn't quite matured yet. Mm, but maybe that's a good way to, I think, yeah, because the, the advent of the CRO, I'm not a historian of this stuff, but being in the industry long enough, you kind of throw timelines together. I know Dr. Gillings, who basically invented the idea of a CRO, went on to found what is now known as Ikevia. It was Quintel's back then. He was an academic researcher, and he saw the inefficiencies, and he said, hey, you know what? 
there could be like a middleman that actually like streamlines this stuff for sponsors, makes it easier. He became a multi-billionaire twice, went public twice off the same company. Uh, that was in the um, late 80s, but it didn't get commercial success till like the early 90s. So the advent of a CRO, and because of that, there was an explosion of private industry sites. So before that, it was mostly AMCs doing research because the AMCs would basically monitor themselves. They'd have QA department, the sponsors would try to do what CROs do, but they couldn't. So kind of both stakeholders shared responsibilities. Gilling said, no, nah, there's a better way. Let's create like this whole new thing. And that paved the way for private privatization of sites which I think is a good thing. I think it's like if you want more diversity, you want to reach like a longer tail of patients, like bring it to the communities, not just the AMCs. These are these stiff, like um, huge organizations that don't really change, can't really move fast. They have local IRBs that basically paved the way for central IRBs, which today now it's like an explosion of tech everywhere. And so these same sites that have been privatized, now we want to throw tech on top of them. But the smarter sites are choosing the tech themselves, like sites that are choosing clinically, sites that are choosing Inato, one of our sponsors, right? They're free, by the way. Um, Viva, Site Vault, free. Versatrel, free. Creo, these are the sponsors I have. Uh, that's the only one that's not free. But sites choose these things on their own, right? These are not forced by sponsors but there's plenty of tech that is also forced on the sites by sponsors when it comes to like irt when it comes to imaging portals when it comes to just all kinds of stuff in the space so there's like there's an overburdening i think of tech which is what you alluded to with the site being burned uh, <laughs> right, right. uh it's just so complicated because even the tech itself that's become, I mean, what's not tech now? Like you could argue anything is high tech, no matter what you do. The fact that we're doing this broadcasting live, you know, to all these people watching, that's high tech. We don't really think of it as tech, right? So there is an increase in efficiencies. I don't know if tech solves all of it though. I think so much like we discussed off air, sites really need to scale the unscalable. And I think big business, that's not in the interest of big business. Like you, you are, you're a hedge fund guy, right? If you hear we're trying to scale the unscalable, you're probably thinking something polarized. Either it's going to be a huge success, but most likely it's going to be a failure. <laughs> it's my guess. Like you don't really like to hear that, do you? Like trying to scale the unscalable? It's, I, like, I have to take the other side of the arguments. Like ultimately, so to your point, which I totally agree with, like just to kind of rephrase in real words, yeah, like in, you know, investment managers love inefficiency because that's where there is most gain. Right? Like if something is running super smooth and there's you can't optimize it anymore, then you can't do much with it. It's it's not that interesting. So. You know, if, the, if there's a lot of inefficiency, if the industry is fragmented, then there's opportunity. Now, in terms of like scaling the unscalable, like again, like inherently, that's not that's not a at least to the outsiders, to the investors, like that's not a bad thing. Like if, if some if somebody's able to figure out how to scale, like the things that were previously thought were impossible to scale, they won't. I think on, on average, they will reward that. They'll want to jump on that bandwagon. Mm -hmm. But to your point further, I think a lot of that, those efforts do fail. But that's where I'd argue like the value of you know, VCs actually comes in because ultimately you know, they'll invest in you. You fail, you fail, you try something else. You're not playing with your money. So in that respect, like they are valuable. So like inherently, you know, seeing something scales, people trying things like it's not it's not a turn off to outsiders. I think in this industry, it's 
it's failed maybe more. I mean, it, it always, you know, something new, you know, a VC will invest in 50 funds, 50, sorry, 50 startups, and only two of them will succeed, and they still, you know, make 300% you know, return. So it, it's, that's normal, like that's expected. Mm -hmm. I think in this industry, you know, out of 50, not, it, it'll be one that succeeds. Just, I don't know why it's more difficult in this industry to, <laughs> to kind of, to succeed. How do you define that? Well, I, I think from a thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of thoughts on that. I think if we're looking at this from, because you're a tech founder, right? So if we're looking at this from the perspective of a tech company, like clinically, right? You guys are relatively new entrant into this field. You, A lot of people got to be thinking you're crazy too. Like your strategy is going after the hyper-fragmented market of sites. It's a slow grind, like getting every single site out there. Like here's a demo. Here's why you should use our product. You're going after the sites. You're not going after the sponsors or the CRO. You're going after the sites, which is, a, in my opinion, a lot harder. Yes, there are more of them, but sites are stingy, right? And yes, there is a lot of money in this industry, but the bulk of that money goes to vendors like yourself that are not maybe site-centric vendors. Uh, you could have chose to make a product that's sold directly to sponsors and CROs. Maybe that's a better way to phrase like my thoughts is to ask you, why didn't you choose that pathway for monetization? What was it about this long tail? Because in many ways, like you're trying to scale the unscalable too as, as a tech vendor. I got respect for you guys too, the ones going after the sites, but the easy money seems to be at the sponsor and CRO. That's a great, yeah, that's a great point. And I think in the short term, like whatever that is, like five years or seven, eight years, you're right. I think you could make more money going after, initially, that you make more money going after like the bigger, like, you know, the pharma. However, there's a lot more competition there. And because there's a lot more money in on that side of the market, once you start succeeding, you'll have a lot more folks chasing you. So then you have to spend a lot more money just to maintain your market share. In research sites, that's not the case. And they're appealing to me for a few reasons. For one, because the inefficiencies there are so much greater than on the pharma side. Yeah. Therefore, you could have a more impact. And then just as a business person, if you have more impact, you can monetize that. And th the market will generally reward you if you solve a problem. And if the more problems there are to solve, then the greater the reward. I see. So it's, it's the inefficiency that's appealing. I think also in terms of like applying, right? So like you made that point a little earlier, like not everything needs a technology solution, which I could not agree more, right? Like if you've got a site and everything's working perfectly and like you're happy doing a couple of trials a year and you don't need us, like you're good and don't introduce tech that you don't need. Just because there's a shiny thing out there doesn't mean you have to play with it. <laughs> but I think there's, because there aren't as many players focusing on sites, there aren't as good as solutions for sites. So therefore there's a great opportunity to serve sites. And therefore you know, the thesis is there's also a greater reward, you know, financial reward as a result of that. Mm. So that's that's the kind of the thesis behind clinically. Yeah. So if you focus on the the most, you know, if you focus on if you focus on the underserved market and you apply technology well, which is you know we are not researchers like we are technologists like we admit that. Mm -hmm. If but if we partner with the practitioners and we figure out the, the technology solutions to solve their problems to genuinely solve their problems, not make the physical problem a digital one, but actually solve the physical problem using technology. That that's where that, that's where it gets interesting. Yes. And I think it gets interesting. This is why I have so much respect for you 
and others like you. There's only maybe a handful, like Versatrial, Creo, um, Viva, but Viva's so big, it's like the individual teams, like SiteVault, um, and then Inato. Like these are these are companies going after these in, these larger inefficiencies, and it, it's actually harder. It's harder problems to solve because the problems because they are greater inefficiencies, the problems are harder to solve. They have to actually work on the product, which is harder. I feel like a lot of these vendors, and we saw them last decade, that was the era of sponsor-centric tech, right? Viva was one of them too. They started with Trial Master Files for sponsors. Well, this decade, they're they're site-centric tech going after the sites. I feel like at the sponsor and CRO level of selling, you worry less about the product and more about the relationship with who's important in that CRO, who's important. Like there's there's less, there's less of a market, but there's like key people you can already identify who they are. So like, hey, our product's almost secondary. It's really like schmoozing this guy or this gal. And I feel like that's why so much crappy tech has leaked into our industry, which you started off with, like sites have been burned. More often than not, they've been burned by being forced to use this stuff. And there's no other explanation I can think of, man. That's the only thing that's been making sense to me, is that the relationships were valued. So the good old boys club, basically, was what allowed that tech to get in. And now you and a whole new breed of people, entrepreneurs, you're actually focused on the product and on helping the site. So I got more respect for you. I think this is a positive thing going forward. I think technology is also deflationary. And it's kind of like, in a way, it's a race to the bottom with pricing. But but he or she who can get like the bulk of the sites using it, whatever it is, can now monetize the sponsor because now you have an easy way to get to the sponsor and say, hey, look, we've got like all these customers. These are all sites using it. These are all sites using clinically. So sponsor, hear, hear us out for your next study. Like, here's why you should. It's an easier pitch. And I don't know if I'm spot on or if I'm, it's just a theory. But that's, to me, that's what's been making sense about this kind of stuff. 13? Yeah, 213. Oh, sorry, we're getting a conference table delivered. But what do you think about this? Like I don't, <clears throat> it's like I don't have experience there. Like I can't. It on the surface it makes sense, but the devil's in the details, as they say. Like, how, like ultimately, how do you monetize that? And just because we have. 200 sites that we work with, let's say, you know, I'll go to a sponsor and tell them, hey, we have 200 sites that we work with. So, and <laughs> like, like now what? Like, yes, we have access to these 200 sites. Okay, cool. Right? You know what I mean? Like, it's ultimately like, what's the value proposition to the sponsor? And then what's the value proposition to the site? Well, that's because, where, sorry. that's where the, the company can figure out pain points at that point. Like, I guess a, a little more intelligently as far as what the sponsors are needing versus what the sites can actually produce or what the sites are running into and kind of like tie up all the loose ends. Thank you. You tie up all the loose ends uh, as far as inefficiencies that are remaining because now you can do it at scale. You know, if you have enough sites using it and you've got a sponsor, I mean, I could see an argument for the sponsor wanting to use only clinically sites because maybe you've developed on the back end like an EDC system for them or something where they can just have a uniform way to send the data to the FDA. So there are like economies of scale at that level. And that's where like the the company can kind of evolve. Because really everyone wants to go like where the money's at is at the sponsor. Right? But to get there and you're you guys are solving like the biggest inefficiencies at the the site levels then actually need the help the most too. That's a fair point. Like the, like the camp, so there's, there's a couple of things there. 
there's more money at the sponsor side, hands down. There's also more competition at the sponsor side. So, so a great analogy would be like, you know, we focus, you know, we have ERAG eSource. Like that's, that's what we're focusing on. If we were, you know, ERAG, eSource, eDiary, you know, E75 other things, <laughs> we would have more revenue, but hands down, like you can't argue with that. But I would also have greater costs, exponentially greater costs. And there's a diminishing return with each engineer, each product manager, you know, each accountant you hire. So you need to hire more of them, you need to hire their managers to manage these people. So, you know, now I have, you know, $20 million in revenue, but I also all of a sudden have $18 million in expenses. So my margins are the same, lower as a result. But right. So like, what's the, is that a better, like, I mean, it boosts my ego for sure, but it, will, will that actually make us a more valuable company? Like on paper, yes. In reality, you know, in, when economically speaking, no, like, there's no way. Yeah. A, I think it's a consideration that I think escapes from a VC perspective. They want to see the former, mm. right? They just, they want to see huge revenue because that's how you figure out your multiple at the end. And like, whether you're profitable or not, nobody cares. Um, yeah. From a business owner's perspective, so if you want to build value, like you, you have to be profitable. Like that's just that is how, you know, businesses work since the beginning of time. So, that's kind of my thought on that. In terms of like having scale because you know you have access to you know, thousand sites, so therefore you, there's some value because you can mm -hmm. standardize. Like that's yes, you can standardize a thousand sites, and as long as the sponsor wants to work with only those thousand sites and only this EDC, yeah, you could do it. All of a sudden, if they want to work with you know the thousand and first site that doesn't use clinically well that whole model just just falls apart so it's a very brittle model and the, the rest of the world solved this problem in different ways right like look at your phone you might have 50 different apps and maybe 20 of them talk to each other like your calendar can talk you know your your email will automatically add a calendar invite it also <laughs> send you a reminder it'll like you could you know it'll do all these things it'll add you, it'll add the person to contact all that you know, all that happens behind the scenes. Like you don't have to do any of these things. Like you don't have to integrate these apps because the bigger players out there figured out that, you know what, we're just going to standardize at the lowest possible level on how we're going to communicate. And then ultimately, you know, me as an email vendor, I don't care which calendar app you use because I know it'll work. And I don't care which contact app you use because as long as I do, do a few things the way that we kind of all agree on doing them, but you know the, the value add that I provide as a calendar vendor is going to exceed somebody else's, some other calendar vendor potentially. But the point is, I don't have to worry about you know me as a calendar vendor. I have to make sure that you use this perfect, you know, this specific email and this specific contact app. Like you are free to choose your other apps as long as and as long as like I keep the baseline kind of uniform then i know that they'll be able to talk to me and that everything will just work and that's the model that has the rest of the world embraced and scales but in clinical research we feel like we we, we have to be still we're still shooting for that monolith model of like we're going to own the world i'm going to be an edc mm -hmm. vendor i'm going to be e-source e-reg tmf and i'm also going to deliver your launch for you you know like what like what like why the, these like these monoliths don't work is, is the bottom line like that's the rest of the world kind of got there here like, like to my previous point like i think we're still kind of behind the times and people are still trying and like yes you can try that so you'll hire you know 50 engineers and god knows how many project managers and whatever else mm -hmm. and then you just kind of you're you know jack of many trades master of none but you know on paper, it looks great. You know, you'll, you'll have more customers, you'll have more revenue. It's, you know, it, it is like, again, like, what are you optimizing for? If you're a VC backed firm and you want to exit in five to seven years, yeah, you should grow your revenue. That's all you care about at the end. If you want to be in it for the long term, which is 
our goal, like you, that's, you have to take a long view and you have to make some hard choices where you, we're not going to enter certain sectors. We're not going to build certain things because that's that doesn't make sense. That's not going to scale. Do you believe in industry consolidation? So, for example, do you think a lot of these inefficiencies go away if we get more sites consolidating? And it's kind of happening organically with site networks. Uh the missing layer is really technology, like taking a fragmented marketplace and standardizing it a little bit with tech. Like, do you actually think this is a worthy objective or does that just cause more problems later? Hmm. I mean, what's, what's the end goal? More patients and studies, I guess, and faster. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Either. Is, is that <laughs> is that like will will like having a site network mean that you have more people? Like, I'm not sure. Like, yeah. I can see that as a play to maybe you know squeeze out the CROs and increase margins. Mm -hmm. That's that yeah, that's doable. I can see that working. Right. But in terms of like actually increasing enrollment rates, retention, I mean, like we were just talking about this before, like offline, off right? Like you as a site owner are much more invested in every single volunteer that walks in through the door. Yep. And you'll do, your, you'll do a lot more to keep them happy, to keep them returning than maybe a huge organization. So yep. I would have been to maybe. You know, a lot of smaller sites might do a better job than you know one big site network. I I don't I can't like it's so hard. Right, there's so many variables. Like, what are you optimizing for? But perhaps, perhaps you know, from a sponsor's perspective, maybe it is simpler to deal with one large site network, even if it takes them longer to enroll and start studies. Yeah, I. It gets. I don't. I actually don't know the answer. I don't think. Consolidations ultimately gonna help recruitment rates. Um, now, if you're talking about specialty centers consolidating or more specialty centers doing research and then consolidating, maybe like if you have and there's already site networks that do just renal, and there's other site networks that do just Nash. We've actually interviewed owners from from that network. Um, I think there's something there, uh, but that also is not a great business model as a side owner because therapeutic areas come in waves. So if you're just specialized in Nash, for example, well, what happens when the innovation in Nash kind of dries up? Like you're going to wait 10 years for the next wave. Maybe 10 years is like 18% of our lives, right? Right. Uh, I don't know if it's worthwhile to do that. Yeah. So that's a good point. Just, there's right. a lot of like interesting things around this, like tech. I, I see how it's going to improve efficiencies from the sponsor perspective and the site perspective, but faster accrual rates. I don't know. And then you talk about diversity. That's a whole nother topic. Like for that, I think it's relatively low tech. I think you just need sites in those communities. Where the where there's a more diverse group of patients, like <laughs> it's not rocket science. You want more Latinos in your study. Open sites along the border, where there's like 99% Hispanic population, right? I mean, that's a low tech solution, but why hasn't it been done? And then you start to wonder, like, I don't know, because sponsors don't want to go there because there's no airport nearby and their monitors can't get there. And then you start getting into all this, like you go into a thousand different directions of where all these threads unwind. So I think that's part of the reason why we're in like such a mess to begin with um, is there's really like multiple solutions, but they're all solving different problems. Right. And there's also some solutions solving problems that don't need to be solved. 
<laughs> there you go. Because don't, that's why don't exist. Right. Those are the best kind, maybe. The most money there. <laughs> Probably. I'm in the wrong business. I need to figure out a problem that doesn't need to be solved. And yeah, and then solve it and convince just, the sponsor. Just go convince the sponsor that they need to pay you for it. <laughs> exactly. Without talking to sites first. Just don't. You know, <laughs> I got I got this. Don't, you don't need to talk to anybody else. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So do you, I assume you go, like being from outside the industry, I assume you or someone from your team gets out to conferences or sites, like gets their hands dirty. Um, what what have been like some big takeaways from you that you come back to the team and say, you know what, we got to work on this. Like, what are some things, like maybe three things that you've experienced firsthand? Sure. I think... What's the, like, I want to be more specific. So I think usability would be the number one thing that I've heard so many talk, so many people talk about. So what I mean by that is the, you know, your solution, it has to be intuitive. It has to be, like, it has to, it, it has to, like, not have friction to using it. So you can't, like, if you need to log in five times and click three things, off just to sign a document, then it doesn't work. If you can't, you know, if a screen comes up and you don't know what to do, that's when that screen comes up, like that's not a good solution. So it's really, it's targeting, you know, so it has to be, you know, usability meaning it has to target like clinical research professionals and it has to use the language that they understand. So I think that's probably like number one and number two things that like I've, I've like heard, I think like what's, I mean like sites, I'm like trying not to say things that like we already covered. Like sites aren't happy with their tech. They get, you know, pushed, tech gets pushed down to them from sponsors. There's, so not every problem, like if so, another thing that I, and this is a personal thing that I maybe I took away. Like, not every problem uh, can or should be solved using technology, mm. right? And like, what I mean by that is, like, sometimes we get asked for certain features, and it's we can't do it well because there's just too many variables, and you know, I can't read your mind, so I can't do it well. So should I give you a half-baked feature that kind of gets you somewhat of the way there or 80% of the way there or just do nothing? And I hate to say it, but the, the answer that I find is do nothing because I'd rather say like we can't help you than, than frustrate you, right? And give you a solution that doesn't really work and it just, it just gives you a different set of problems. Like I haven't actually right. solved anything. I've added complexity to your life and yeah. Are you better off? Like no. Like basically, it, it allowed me to not say no to you, so that's nice. But I didn't actually solve your problem. So then, what's? But, but I wasted my resources and wasting your time. So like, don't solve you know, problems that you can't genuinely solve. Like it's just the thing that like, I, I'm seeing over and over again. Like folks trying to do you know all kinds of platforms to do these one-off things that are you know. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, are you, or maybe this like, uh, maybe this is too personal a question, I don't know, but are you, is clinically uh, angel backed or VC backed or what, how are so, you guys? Yeah, so, no, so we're angel backed and okay. I've also put in a lot of my own capital into this. Okay, so founder, founder backed, is it, um, did you run into Jason, I'm just curious, Jason Calcanis, did you run into him? Oh, uh, he's okay. like the best angel. Well, he says he's the best angel investor out there. I was curious if he got into research yet. Okay, so angel back. And feel free not to answer, but maybe answer for others, other companies out there that are VC backed, angel backed, whatever. Their investors generally want things to happen, right? Like they're not just sitting around saying, hey, Henry, like, or maybe they are. Maybe your case is unique because you've got your own skin in the game too. Hey, Henry, like, you know, take a shot at it and see what happens. And you've got unlimited time frame to do it. Like, 
what are some like small wins for you guys that you that you guys celebrate about like at this stage of of your company like is it signing up a new site or um like what is it that you guys celebrate right now i mean like startups it's a it's a tough business right it's just there's a high likelihood of failure and you're you know by definition like there's no roadmap that you that you follow right you just you have to do it differently otherwise it's not you know, this, it's not a new idea it's not it's not it's not something that you can scale because the other person's already done it so i think like we celebrate i mean everything like new customers like we of course celebrate we just hired a new customer success person so we celebrated that we had an intern this summer. We're celebrating his, his last days tomorrow. We're going to celebrate that. Whenever we release features, I mean, like honestly, like I love seeing you know emails from customers like this is awesome or like you know when they reply to our release notes and they like, let us know that it's an amazing thing. Like we celebrate that. Like that's a great feeling. So, like, just. I mean, like, I mean, I guess it might sound like we just party all the time, but like, we just we do we do celebrate you know, all the small wins, and again, it just it helps us to know, you know, you know, signing up new customers, releasing features, getting positive feedback. It helps us to know, like, yeah, we're on the right track. Like, this is this is working. People like it, and we just yeah, keep at it. Just head down and keep doing what you're doing. Do you think there comes a point where maybe not your company, but others, because there's a lot of companies that are investor funded that are uh, going after like, hey, let's get small sites on board. And do you think there comes uh, like an inflection point where the founder may have to go a route they didn't want to go in order to appease the investors and then do you think you could still be successful at that point? Or do you think you should, you as a founder should be strict with your original mission and keep that pure, like your, your mission statement pure? Well, I mean, by definition, like if you have an investor, like you have a boss, like you have an owner. So if they want you to do something, you kind of, I mean, you can negotiate whatever else, but at the end of the day, it's not like you can't say to them, like, no, this is not part of my vision. Like, well, is, you know, is raising the next round part of your vision? Because if it's not, then it's just part of ways now. And like, it's, uh, so like, that's, I mean, that's one reason why we've stayed away from institutional investors is because we, like, I want to make sure that we genuinely address this industry's needs and not just, you know, appease our investors. The other thing that like, sorry, just going back to something we just, we were just talking about a second ago, about like celebrating things. Like, I, I, you know, it's amazing to hear, you know, your praises, you know, people loving your software, loving like what you're doing. But like, frankly, I like, I want to hear the things that aren't working. And, you know, what can we do better? Like, where, where did we miss? Because to me, it's a that's incredibly more valuable than positive feedback because like positive feedback okay we did a great job okay keep it moving celebrate keep it moving if it's negative feedback then we can improve right? that's something we can go off of and that's a that's incredibly more valuable and b that means that you know somebody at the site took time out of their insanely busy schedules to offer some criticism to like to effectively help me which speaks to the you know the relationship that like we've built. They feel comfortable, like that they a that they feel comfortable enough taking time out of their day to voice their criticism, and also that they feel confident that it's not a waste of their time. So like that's in some ways, in a lot of ways, I I like that so much more than the positive feedback. Like one thing that I found also odd about this industry is like folks just don't complain enough. Mm -hmm. Like we have, like, 
So we, we don't hire research professionals in-house. Like we don't have anybody on staff as a research professional because we want to make sure that we get you know, feedback, ideas from the practitioners, from the sites. So, but the only way that works is if the sites you know, complain, they tell us what's wrong. And surprisingly, that doesn't happen very often. Like a lot of our like ideas, like our you know, features, they end up coming from demos that we do with folks where we have to go out or, or conference is another great place where you just talk to people, you know, just shoot the shit. But like not, you know, sites don't like it's it's bizarre to me. Like I'm your vendor, right? Like you pay me, but yet you won't tell me like so like a great example would be, you know, we'll, we'll do a demo and somebody comes up asks us, hey, do you guys do XYZ? And we're like, well no, but that seems like a great idea. So then I'll call one of our sites like Hey, like somebody mentioned this thing. Like, what do you think? Amazing, it'd be fantastic. Okay, cool. I'll call another site. They're like, yeah, this 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 feature would be brilliant. There's be so much time savings. I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me? Like, why didn't or like something doesn't work quite right? Like, why didn't you tell me that this is not this is what you need? Like, like I work for you. Like, what am I going to do? Fire you because like you're you're complaining? Like, that's not how this works. And I don't like. Do you know why? Like, I I can't. I have no idea. Like. What that's about? Do you clinically, because I've gotten to know you um, just recently, and it through Dr. Fox. So, <clears throat> shout out Dr. Fox and the SOS conference for kind of putting you on my radar. And I had a conversation with you, and you said something that you you're hyper focused on the e-source and the e-reg, particularly the user experience, right? Like just making everything easy, like extremely easy. And I haven't done a demo or anything, but like how you must have seen the other competitors, right? Um, in your opinion, wh what's lacking from the rest that you guys have that's like your, that you can compete on? Is it the UX, UI? So what's lacking, like maybe nothing, right? Like if you're using one of our competitors packages and it's working for you, like that's, that's great. Like there's no reason for you to, you know, even explore what we do. Like it does, does not, no value there. I think in this industry, it's, I think folks feel like there's like a million ways to solve. A, you know, a given problem, but it's ultimately it's not right. Like, sorry, I'm not doing a good job of phrasing this. Like, ultimately, you like there's not an unlimited number of problems in this industry, right? You have to follow certain procedures. You have to follow some federal federal guidelines, regulations to capture data to run clinical trial. As long as you fulfill those requirements, how you do it is largely up to you. So, therefore. The solution that you use, you know, it might be perfect for you. It might not be right for somebody else. So, like, we are not right for everybody. That's, and that's fine, because ultimately, like, our goal isn't, you know, to be everything for everybody. Like, we like our solution is quite malleable and configurable, and like, it, it'll, you know, our goal is to, you know, not 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 have you conform to how the solution works, but the solution should conform to how you run your business. And if the solution can do that, then we might be a good partner for you. But if not, then that's that's totally fine. Right? Like thus far we have zero attrition rate. Like we've not had a single customer leave. I think I would I would attribute that to just when we speak to somebody, like we are very transparent about the solution, what it does, like people, you know, show as many demos, et cetera, et cetera. So when they buy the product, like they know what they're getting. Like there, there are no surprises. There should be no surprises. Like I would be pissed at my, my sales guy if, you know, we, you know, he makes a sale and then you know, next day I get an email like, hey, like, you know, where's your e-diary feature? What? <laughs> no, like we don't like it's right. So like they should, they know what they're getting, and they know that you know we are probably the right partner for them, and that works. Right, like they are happy, 
my the team here is happy because like they're they're seeing that positive feedback and you know which is super important because then they're motivated and so it's a kind of a righteous loop like a feedback loop it just feeds off itself well so that's well said so, yeah so i don't know if there's anything really lacking you know so you just really think bad. it's so early right in this space <clears throat> something like only 20 percent of sites have adopted to eSource, that there's still enough, I mean, there's 80% of the market left, plus all the new sites that are going to open soon, right? There's new sites opening every day, every week. Myself and Chris talk to a new site. There's enough, plenty of market share left that even though there's already good products on the market, there's room for yours as well because of your offerings and how you go about ensuring that the clients are happy at the end of the day i'd like to believe that mm-hmm. well well said man um i think we need to have you on again you know we're gonna have to go deep dive into your career um we'll probably do a like a demo of clinically at some point um but i just wanted to get the audience an introduction to you um, thank you I'm in my new office, so I apologize, everyone, if the Wi-Fi is shaky. We'll get that fixed. But um, Henry's definitely a guy you got to get to know. If you're listening, his LinkedIn's in the show notes. If you're watching on YouTube, it's underneath this video. Thank you very much, Henry, and we'll catch you soon. You. Are you? Did we? Are you coming to SOS? Yep. Yep. We are oh. a sponsor. Thank you so much. You are a sponsor. I. I didn't know if it was officially announced yet. So I didn't bring it up, but Actually, I, I don't know either, to be honest. So, I don't either. So there it, you guys go. Now. <laughs> it is now. Um, but thank you. Like, look forward to having you there and learning more about you and your company. And uh, like I said, I got a lot of respect for this new breed of tech founders. They're coming straight to us, the sites. They're not going to sponsor and say, "Hey, buy us and force the sites to use it." No, you go if you want to look look at this contact henry and see if it makes sense for your site and if not it doesn't but you have more options and more options is always a good thing i think i think if we get too monopolistic we got problems and anyways there's more conversation later but thank you so much henry i really appreciate it oh thank you dan thank you for having me on really enjoyed speaking with you likewise everybody like subscribe comment share catch y'all later bye-bye